Welcome to CMO Insights, the podcast series. I'm your host, Jeff Pedowitz, President and CEO of the Pedowitz Group. Today, I am honored to have as our guest, Brooke Jay, who is the CEO of All Terrain Collective. Brooke, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I'm really excited to be here. Excited to have you. Uh, first and foremost, we're fellow entrepreneurs, and I want to celebrate the fact that not only did you start the company, but uh, it is the first female-led experiential marketing agency, I think, in, I don't know, if in the country, if not the world. I Definitely in the United States, for sure. We've been around, uh, as a matter of fact, on the 26th, we're hosting a big party for our 25th anniversary. 25 years. Wow. I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> there you go. And you're still smiling, which is good. So uh, any key key insights over 25 years, something that you would have done differently 25 years ago? Well, you know, I definitely um, have some really strong key learnings on leadership, uh, on partnership. You know, you can't ever regret what you did because it got you to where you are. But I can tell you, I, you know, I could write a book. I'm working on one uh, on some lessons learned and things that I would like other people to know so they don't, you know, fall victim to the similar situations. But, you know, it's been a really, really good ride. I can't really complain about anything, Um, you know, and it's going to sound cliche, but it's all about team, right? It's all about the people you surround yourself with and, and, uh, and letting go of some of the autonomy of being, you know, the CEO. It's hard sometimes. My team absolutely feels that right now as we plan this party. My team begs me every day. Get out. Yes. <laughs> so well, about 1998, I guess you got started. So that, that was the beginning of the dot-com era. But I don't think anyone was talking about experiential marketing at the time. We didn't even have social media. So what's the story? Like, how did you get started? Yeah, it was very accidental. Um, I went to school to study international trade and finance. I came out, worked at Smith Barney and immediately understood that it was not the right place for me. And my aunt was opening up a hotel in Miami and I wound up going down and living with her for a bit. And I quite accidentally got into production, the production world more in film, TV, but there was some events uh, and experiential, not that that was a word yet is to your point. And it was an industry that I immediately fell in love with. You needed both your left brain and your right brain. And uh, I wound up working for a company that produced all the music and entertainment at the Olympics in 96 in Atlanta. And it was the first time I ever saw a real brand activation that I understood what it what it was. Uh, Champion had a, a, a 20 by 20 booth across from our production trailer. We were producing all the music and entertainment mm-hmm. for the athletes. Long story short, they did this very smart activation where, you know, they had T-shirts from all the participating countries, flags on them, a, a co-branded logo with Champion in the and the Olympics. And above the booth, it said, if you want to take one, you have to give one. And very quickly, we watched this social experiment go down as uh, people would walk up to the booth, look at a total stranger, sign a shirt, exchange it. And we really started talking, my, the woman that became my partner originally, uh, about how these were going to become part of their social currency, their storytelling, how there was this brand was making this indelible uh, impact on, on these people. Uh, and there were people of all socioeconomic backgrounds. So it was really fascinating. And we basically quit our jobs very soon after that to develop this practice, which was about showing up in consumers' life in stride, providing value and building this kind of long tail relationship. That's awesome. Yeah. So 
Long story. <laughs> Whether it's T-shirt exchange or I'm sure you've built hundreds of experiences over the years. How do you measure that? Like, how do you know it was successful? What's the ROI on a good experiential campaign? Yeah. Well, many um, experiential campaigns have really narrow KPIs like social media impressions or earned media, which makes it really hard to track back to sales directly. And the solution is that both, you know, the sales and marketing teams need to be working lockstep with agency teams. And, and that happens way less than it should. But when it does, you can track from the time you meet a consumer and an experience straight to the point of sale. And that is one of the things that we're known for is instituting those processes uh, with our clients. Okay. So, I mean, with any experience, it's it's part of the brand. It's part of the emotional connection. But tell us more about, I guess, the, the what's behind the scenes, the psychology of it. How do you know? what the drivers are to actually get one person to connect to another or what makes one experience better or more positive, I guess, than, than another experience? Yeah, I would say that the psychology behind building emotional connections through experiential evolves around really understanding human emotions, like the social dynamics you're in front of, uh, understanding the principles of memory and trust and empathy and, and storytelling. Um, you know, what we do with puts us in front of consumers almost 365 days a year. So it gives us this really unique perspective on how a consumer will and will not engage with an experience. We like to tend to call ourselves cultural anthropologists. But, you know, consumers are incredibly smart and resourceful. Um, they appreciate a brand moment that's authentic. Like I expressed to you about the champion thing that shows mm-hmm. stride with them provides a value without asking too much of them. And, you know, through by creating those meaningful and memorable experiences, brands can elicit an emotional response. They foster loyalty and advocacy among consumers. And these emotional connections go, you know, far beyond trans- transactional relationships. I would say they that they create lasting bonds that drive long-term success for the brand. You know, there is a lot of talk and research now that brand loyalty is much more fickle than it used to be. And at the same time, particularly the younger generation wants more from the brand than just the brand promise. It's that they they want the the brands to be socially active. They want them to stand for a cause. And it's, it's above and beyond the experience. So given those competing forces, how, how do good experiences reinforce that loyalty in an age when, you know, we're turning things on, off and on, cancel culture, all those kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, you really do have to understand who you're talking to, understand what swim lane, you know, you're in and pick the right places to do your storytelling because experiential marketing and and like a lot of marketing, it's about creating a two-way interaction that allows the customers to immerse themselves in the brand experience and connect on a deeper level. So, you know, when done right, I would say XM turns commuter, we call it XM for short, sorry, experiential marketing turns uh, customers into promoters. You know, it drives word of mouth marketing. I would say that you asked, the question was what? You asked about what's the long, what's the most effective thing about? Well, I guess, you know, and given the competing forces, right, where people are fickle with brand loyalty and at the same time they want brands to, to do more, yeah. how do, does experiential marketing, I guess, bridge that, that that divide? Because let's face it, I mean, we we can turn things off in a hurry today, you know, and and 
we can have the anonymity <laughs> that we want, um, but then we can also share data to have more personalized experiences. Right, 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 right. Well, I think to your point, there's a lot of uh, value-driven, and I don't mean value and price, I mean values-driven um, priorities right now. You know, I think COVID had a, a massive impact on that. And I think that a company that leans into those and it stays consistent, I always talk about a steady drumbeat of communication, like these long tail promotions, you know, immersing people in the story and then keeping the story going across many different types of experiences. That gives the, the consumer an opportunity to really get to know the brand. It makes them feel like they know what they stand for and who they are, almost like a person. And, you know, I think that a lot of brands chase the, the thing of fashion in the moment without really understanding how that dilutes the bigger picture of who they are. So, you know, I, I think brands that do the best are the ones that stay consistent to their core values and then, you know, keep that big picture vision across all messaging. Everything they do should integrate their values and storytelling. You know, a lot of the CEOs and, and boards trade short term for long term, right? Got to get the stock price, got to hit the quarterly numbers, but then foregoing key customer experiences or strategies that really take more time to, yeah. to develop. What's old again is new again, or what's that, that expression? Right. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Although I don't know um, if shag carpeting is coming back anytime soon, <laughs> uh, but, but the avocado refrigerator is. And I, uh, we have fancy paneling now, you know, yeah. that you can be bored. Yeah. I, I love that you dropped the avocado refrigerator. That was just a conversation I had a couple of weeks ago with Did a, you like, are you looking for client. one or someone get one? No, we do a lot of crazy activations with Airbnb where we, you know, take over very um, you know, places like the Goodyear Blimp or the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile or something and turn them into short-term rentals for a PR stunt. And we were working on a project. And somebody was looking for an avocado fridge for that specific design detail. And I thought it was so funny because they were going back to, you know, 1970s. And then somebody very pointedly said, oh, no, there, here's a new line that, that's coming out in these colors. So very, very pertinent to a, to current conversations. Oh, well, I mean, that goes to the adage, what's old is, is, is new again. So um, one thing that um, you've done over the years is you've developed a model that has been really effective in helping companies figure out how to put their experiences and i think you call it a hybrid collective interesting name what what is it what does it do i know i appreciate that i think we riley and i believe we've coined this phrase and we're gonna you know but um you know it's more about how we're the hybrid collective model is about how we run all terrain so you know after 19 years uh, you know we had ran just like a big agency we had a lot of people in a lot of different offices um but after those 19 years and one major business divorce <laughs> i wound up taking sole ownership of Alterain. and at that time it, it was this is right around 2017 2018 i was questioning whether the big agency model would survive mm -hmm. you know we were already seeing this era of digital immediacy and democratized creativity and i was wondering if that would make it more difficult to be able to attract top talent that needed more autonomy and balance, which is kind of like a foreshadowing, right? 
So I have a very disruptive personality and I took that passion inward and I wound up recalibrating and restructuring all terrain for what I thought was the future. It wound up being a gift because, you know, who knew a pandemic was coming? But in uh, 2018, All Terrain Collective was born. And um, inside the collective, we were using a very unique hub and spoke model to curate project specific teams of senior talent, subject matter experts, member agencies. And we operated as a collective for a bit. But as the company retooled, like about it, about a couple of years later, I would say within the first three years, due to our growth and needing to maintain the pace and the consistency of the work, we began operating under another model, which is what we're calling the hybrid collective model, okay. which basically combines elements of both of a traditional agency and a, a collective agency model. So while we still have this incredibly diverse talent pool, we collaborate with each other, you know, bringing their unique skills to the table. We, more like a traditional agency, now maintain a centralized coordination and management structure. So all the full-time people act as the point of contact for the clients. They oversee the projects and ensure seamless communication among the team members. What I love about it is the flexibility and, and the ability to scale quickly. You know, it allows us to adapt to a lot of various different types of clients and project requirements. And we still get to tap into networks of collaborators as and scale up and scale down as we need to. So it's been it's been a breakthrough, uh, and it's been incredibly impactful on the business. Okay, um, how's that impacted how the agencies run with profitability service? Yeah, it's been hugely beneficial not only to us but also to our clients and the teams. Um, what our teams would say about it is they get to work with dream clients like Ferrari and Nike and collaborate with like, not like, with really exciting people that they might not normally get to work with. And the clients get these best in class teams without having to pay that major overhead for, you know, all the different types of creatives and talent and copywriters and content and filmmakers and all the different people that, you know, we had in house before. Now we get to to pick and choose from a, an amazing um, bevy of them. And the work has gotten better and the agency margins have more than doubled. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it's been great. So I guess more of us agency owners should be looking at doing what you did. You know, it, I guess if you're in the position to do it and it makes sense for your organizational structure, it definitely presents an opportunity to decrease overhead and you have the ability to scale quickly. You know, I would find that in our older model, and we call it All Train 1.0, you know, it was like the team member that had the bandwidth got the projects, right? Sometimes, I mean, not the creators, but like the account teams. And, you know, sometimes we'd be handing over Maserati to, you know, a 30-something-year-old person that really didn't understand the nuances of luxury automotive. And so to be able to build a team around a brand that really understands and speaks the language fluently and understands the tiered system and the dealership, you know, networks and all of that kind of stuff really benefits both us and the clients. Awesome. So um, getting back then to just the core aspects of experiential marketing, you've done a lot of campaigns for a lot of big companies. You mentioned some of them, but I mean, now working with Ferrari, really, really cool. Any common elements across those companies, like, you know, just in terms of things that show up in good experiences or design elements that you that you use? Yeah, I mean, in our culture, I would say, in All Terrain's philosophy is deeply seated that we, we lead culture, we don't follow it. 
we try and disrupt and challenge the category norms. That's kind of, that's why our clients work with us because you know brands get lost in the sea of sameness and they are often afraid to break away from what has you know worked in the past and what's been done before. But you know with, with the average consumer attention span being so short, uh, you really need to make these brand moments count. So I would say you know we we lean into trying to walk a unique path for the brand so that the campaigns stand out and are talked about. Um, We also, you know, are lucky enough to work with brands that you don't have to explain to somebody what they do, but really what you have to explain to them is why they do it. And I think that that's where we get into the storytelling element. And and Simon Sinek has a great, you know, video, like why, right? I always said why. Yeah, power why. We definitely focus more on the what you know, and the how, and then we forget about the why, which is drives the whole purpose, you know, to, to begin with. Yes. So uh, what's next in this wild, wild frontier of experiential marketing? You got a lot more choices now to, yes. to be able to use. Yeah. You know, this is a, a conversation that's coming up along a lot. Um, I would say that, you know, you, you, you said it earlier about personalization. Consumers are, are going to continue to demand more personalized and interactive experiences we talked about the pandemic and the lockdown, which especially impacted Gen Z, you know, uh, and they emerged craving fresh and meaningful experiences. I would say what's coming next more is more, more experiential, because I, I need to say that, with more AI and virtual uh, integration, you'll see it more and more. It's just going to be very common. It's still a little clunky, in my opinion. Or maybe augmented reality, like Pokemon, uh, you know, yeah. Go or something like that. Yeah, without all the heavy lifting of the, um, you know, now these glasses that are coming out from Meta and all of the things that they're going to create full sensory experiences, um, which play a huge part in teaching customers more about the brand. You know, despite what misconceptions have led us, brands need still need to consider offline experiences to generate mm-hmm. a sense of community and deeper connections. You know, I think all of us, you know, still, I, I would say not everybody, I've, I've got some curmudgeon friends and, and relatives that don't love, you know, gatherings as much as the rest of us, but we all want to feel part of something. And most people want to participate in, in gatherings such as festivals, events, experiences, and enjoy spending their money on creating memories through those experiences. So, I don't think, you know, they're going anywhere. Experiential is going anywhere except up. But I do think that you will see a little bit more augmented reality and, of course, personalization as we talk to and more um, better use of, of data privacy. So that that's the one thing I know people tend to get, you know, sketched out about is is giving their data away as freely as they did when we first started this company. But um, again, that goes back to values and, and storytelling of the brand. Good stuff. Here's to another 25 years, right, Brooke? Yeah, I hope. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's um, other plans in the works here, yes, Jeff. Best of luck to you. It's easy to see why you've been so successful. Uh, Brooke J, CEO of All Terrain, thank you so much for being on CMO Insights. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much.